first and only NBA podcast, probably. I'm your host, Brian Gill, joined as always by the Michael Rappaport to my Kevin Durant. It's my co-host, Tobin Hodges. Tobin, how's it going, buddy? All right, now that is the most offensive thing you've said to me. But <laughs> Look, man, you him. hate Kevin Durant, so That's I didn't true. want to make you Kevin Durant. So That is true. Uh, you did give me the least of the two. I will give you that. But that is not saying a whole lot. That is the definition of the Spider-Man meme, man. Like, those, yeah. those two guys are the most insufferable people in the pop culture, or at least in, in semi-related to NBA pop culture. And I, like, yeah, enjoy your enjoy your beef, guys, because you both suck. Uh, that, was, that, was, that was quite a thing. Well, I mean, I don't know why we expect... I, I don't expect anything different, really, from Kevin Durant, but goodness, man. Like, get off Twitter, dude. Like, find happiness. Figure out a way to, to find joy, because... This ain't doing it. Like you, you have no. There's no reason for you to be beefing with with anyone. But it's certainly not somebody as much of a bum as Michael Rappaport. Just my goodness. Yeah, and we, you've already been proven to have burners and stuff. So like, let's just let's just maybe tur- turn off social media for you, but big guy. Like, I mean, there's a million people in this world that that don't understand how negatively social media impacts you. Um, but Kevin Durant should. I don't know. <laughs> It's a little different than than you know somebody you went to high school with who uh, has not a whole lot going on in their life. Like you're Kevin Durant, you you want yeah. man. So and like, the last thing I will go. say about this is, if you're gonna do that stuff, you can't you can't go online and send a DM yeah. and think that that's not going to be screenshot and sent out to everybody. Mm-hmm. Like that's just stupid. That's exactly like right. that's exactly right. yeah. Yep. Bad stuff. All right, we're not here to talk about Michael Rappaport or Kevin Durant. Hopefully, we'll never talk about Michael Rappaport ever again. Uh, or Kevin Durant. I mean, he's making it easy not to talk about him because he's not playing basketball. So, you know, I mean, at some point, at some point, that's going to have to be addressed. Uh, the, they, they keep kind of putting it out there. It, they, they're doing a very good job, I would say, the Nets are, of making it seem like they have no worries whatsoever and they're just playing it cautious because they can afford to do so. Um, and maybe that is a hundred percent true. And also maybe it's not going well. So I don't know. We'll, we'll have to, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Um, we do have a lot to talk about tonight, but it's all going to be sort of quick hit form. At least I say that. And then we'll, you know, we'll talk for 45 minutes about one topic that we didn't expect to, cause that's just kind of how this show works. It's kind of a weird period in the NBA calendar. Uh, because you know, that kind of post trade deadline, pre real playoff push is kind of a weird time uh, mm-hmm. on the NBA schedule. It's just kind of hard to, to find things, not necessarily find things to talk about, but, but find things that are really deserving of an in-depth conversation, I would say. But uh, we're going to talk about the buyout guys here in a bit and what that, uh, I have no idea how you feel on that stuff, Tobin. So maybe you're going to be real salty, um, but we'll, we'll talk about that here in a second. We're also going to talk about the play in teams especially in the Western Conference. Maybe we'll touch on the Eastern Conference as well because that play-in tournament is starting to come into a uh, better picture now. We'll, uh, we'll look at some of those teams that are going to be involved in that conversation. Um, and then at the end of this, Tobin, I want to ask you about uh, Cade Cunningham, whose uh, tournament run came to an end since our last podcast and I think is the presumptive number one pick, obviously, and we'll, uh, we'll talk about where we think, where we want him to end up in the draft. Uh, but first, man, I got a couple of things we want to hit right off the top. Have you enjoyed the Aaron Gordon experience in Denver? <laughs> and what do you think about his decision to wear number 50 as it relates to 
his slam dunk contest. Um, what's what's the word here? I don't know. His 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 beef with Dwayne Wade in the slam dunk contest. I don't know. What? It wasn't just that. It was his first one too. Because he's I, somebody like I. I guess I didn't realize this because it's the stupid slam dunk contest. But <laughs> like. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and crap on it like you did and will probably because I just don't care enough to like, but because it's just the slam dunk on it. But because he he does have some beef like I like well, I agree. Yeah, he yeah. has beef. And I, you know, I, he's never struck me as a person that, you know, you could take seriously. So I guess part of me is like, whatever. OK, lean into this crap. I don't care. Like, you know, like. Like if he, I'm, yeah, I, I would, in, I would think he's a goofball. Like he's probably a giant goofball. And so, like, if you're gonna wear the number fifty because the slam dunk world has slided you a couple of times, then okay, that's that's funny. At least it's funny. Like if it's a serious thing, like he's yeah. like, I'm absolutely doing this to bring awareness. Then I'm diff. <laughs> yeah, I, it's different. But I don't think that's what it is. I, I could I, be wrong. But I mean, he has a documentary <laughs> about this. I kind of think I'm with you. I'm for a bit. Like you know, I like a bit and. <laughs> Um, and I even like pettiness, but the thing is, I love the slam dunk contest. Here's the thing. I, I really do love the slam dunk contest when, when done correctly, it rarely is fun. And I'm 38 years old. So I fully admit that that's part of the deal. Uh, I also really like Aaron Gordon. I'm a big Aaron Gordon fan. Have a lot of, uh, have a lot of stock in Aaron Gordon. Um, there is nothing lamer, nothing lamer, maybe with the exception of Kevin Durant having 14 burners on Twitter or something. There's, there's nothing lamer in sports than caring about the dunk contest. <laughs> like, that was the big problem. That was one of the, the huge deals with, with Dwight Howard is, like, he was, like, obsessed with winning that thing. And it was so lame and depressing. You're just like, dude, it doesn't matter. Like, you're Dwight Howard. This doesn't... So you want the, you want the guys to show up for the dunk contest and to do kind of what Steph Curry did with the three-point shootout and just pull the Larry Bird of like, yeah, who's, com- who's coming in second tonight? And just approach it from a cool perspective. And Aaron Gordon is not doing that right now. So it's just, I don't know. I, I know that it's stupid. I know that it's such a tiny thing and who cares? And you're right. Like if he was doing it as a bit and it was clearer that it was, that it was a bit that he was kind of leaning into a joke, I'd be all for it. But I do think there's like, I know this sounds so stupid, but there's there's a <laughs> tiny percentage of me that if I was a Nuggets fan, I would have been like, oh no, <laughs> like I'm I'm very concerned about this. Like from a mental standpoint, if he's if he's really this hung up on not winning the dunk contest, that he needs to wear number fifty here. Ooh, I don't know. I'm a little, it feels a little dicey. <laughs> this feels this feels a little, it makes me a little nervous. But uh, also, <laughs> is is double zero taken already, or like I don't think so. Or is it retired for some reason that I don't know? No, like, I mean I'm trying to think. Orlando Woolridge wore number wore zero. He didn't wear double zero. Um, I don't think there's anybody on the Nuggets wearing. Uh, I'm looking. Well, I'll it pull up, it up. But, but yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I think it was just a, a conscious choice to to switch <laughs> switch it up and be so, Yeah, Jamichael Green wears zero. Okay, oh, no, Marcus somebody, Howard. Yeah, You're Marcus right. Howard okay. wears it. Okay, right. that's so, a weird number. For that's so that's why I'm like, okay, like it's not like he did it like saying I'm not double zero anymore. I'm gonna wear this because so whatever. Like I just I, I don't know. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt that he's okay. doing this for fun. Okay, and and who and and it was All like, right. but listen, your your original question was how <laughs> how do you feel about him being on the Nuggets? And I still feel terrified and <laughs> and hate mm-hmm. that he's on them, but I also. You know, I, I I like Aaron Gordon, so I'm not going to crap on it. Yeah. So okay, 
Our homework for next week is we both have to watch the documentary that's on YouTube. Okay, I'll and, do. I'll do that. Yeah. Then we decide if it's a bit or not. They put um, shows on YouTube. I didn't know that. I you know how I feel about YouTube. I've never. I don't watch. I don't watch the YouTube. But uh, but I will. I'll make an exception for for this. Uh, so we can we can settle this once and for all. Um, man, under under Drummond's not great. Um, we'll we'll talk a little a little Drummond here in a second. Uh, did you watch? Did you watch the Nuggets game the other night? They were on national television. I did. Television. Yes, I watched. Um, I watched some of it before I fell asleep. So yeah, I like the fit for him. Um, like we, like I said last week, I think it's a good fit. He really does fit a a big hole that they had in their roster. Um, I do think that there's going to be some growing pains on that, and I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure that he'll be able to figure out part of this. Is that the Nuggets? The Nuggets move the ball as well, if not better than than just about any team in the league. They they move they move the ball constantly. It is a very frenetic paced offense, moving from side to side. Lots of passes. Everybody on the floor is supposed to essentially, except for Jokic when it really matters, and then you know Murray doing the dance that he does at times. It's if you catch the ball, you either need to shoot it or you need to move it quickly, 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 quickly. Which I you know is great, great thing to do. That's very contagious. It also can lead to a lot of really terrible passes if you are not up to speed with with how the game is going to be played with that team. And so there were there were spots in that game where you could see him trying real hard to to uh, get in the action and do the <laughs> do the thing that they're doing here, you know, and and it was not going great. Um so I think he we we talked last week, we both think that he can be a pretty decent uh, secondary playmaker kind of guy, and the the first game or two so far, it's it's been kind of rough on that front. It, it made me think maybe I was a little bit. I think over... he's only played one game though, hasn't he? He's played two. He's played two games. They had the the uh, the Atlanta game and the, and the Philly game. So oh, okay. And I mean, I'm not knocking it. He only had. It's not like it was a bunch. He had two turnovers in that Philly game, so it's not like it was the end of the world or anything. But there were. Two turnovers and probably eight passes that were super questionable. Do you know what I mean? Like again, I'm not oh, knocking. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be a very good fit for him. But I did come away with watching some of those, uh, some of the action in those games, thinking, I don't know, maybe maybe secondary playmaker is giving him a little more credit than I than I well, should. Well, and it, on here's one just thing, on that front is all I mean. And here's one thing: if you're a Denver fan, you should look at right now. In his first two games. I guess I forgot he played in the Atlanta game. His first game, he only played 21 minutes as a starter, but he was plus 17 from the court. Mm-hmm. And in his second game, he was the he had the least amount of minutes as a starter. He had uh, 20, 25 minutes, mm-hmm. but he had the highest plus minus on the team. He was plus 19. And those are the kind of things that I think that he's going to bring. Mm-hmm. He's going to open up the floor for Michael Porter Jr. That's very obvious because Porter Jr. had a couple of great games with him on the floor. Um He's going to give Jokic a little bit more space, I think, as well. I mean, I, I I just think that he's, like we said last week, he's going to be the guy that whenever you need him to be a playmaker, like a secondary playmaker, he might be able to do that. But at the very worst, he's your fourth option, and he's a really good fourth option. So Sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think in the playoffs, teams will, will scheme to leave him open. Um, sure. But, I, but, it, but you can get away with it, I think. I don't think he's going to kill teams for leaving him open no, consistently. No. But I do think that you can get away with it because he is good enough offensively and is decent enough as a shooter. You can get away with it because of what he potentially provides on the defensive end. I mean, and that was the thing they need so badly. They need somebody that 
Not that Aaron Gordon is like an all all NBA defensive player or anything like that, but you need somebody that you can say, "All right, man, you got Kawhi tonight," or "All right, we're playing the Lakers, so you know it's you're going to be switching between LeBron and, and AD pretty much the whole time that you're in the game." And we at least can can say, "Okay, he's going to stay in front of those guys." You know, I don't I don't believe Aaron Gordon's going to go shut down any of those guys, especially not consistently in a series, but. You you just sometimes you just need bodies that are capable of staying in front so that at least you can kind of stay home on your man. And prior to getting Gordon, I mean that's what they had in Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant's defense I think has become vastly overrated since he departed uh, Denver. But uh, not to, I, I'm not knocking Jeremy Grant. I just think Jeremy Grant was not like a real lockdown defender as mm-hmm. his reputation would have you believe. But sometimes you just need a guy who is capable of staying in front of the best players on the other team so that. You don't have to immediately help and be seven steps off of your guy instead of you know two or three steps, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I think that that's that's the biggest thing. And if he's able to just like hit down, knock down a shot here and there, and do some fun things, um, it would be cool. So I, I I and part of me hopes that it works, but of course the Mavs fan part of me hopes that it, it super does not work. So we'll uh, we'll see how it plays out. Um, speaking of the Mavs, JJ Redick has a podcast. Um, uh, look, let's let's talk about this this whole thing. So, this was a, a big point when we did our episode last week. the The Reddick trade had had gone down at the very end of the trade deadline. I don't think it had even been officially announced by the team and whatnot. It was like the next morning before we got official word that yeah, okay, this is this deal is done. And there was some there was some angst about that and whatnot. JJ is not reported to. Uh, to Dallas yet he's still he's staying in uh he's been in Brooklyn for the last uh few weeks and has stayed there he's rehabbing from his injury um and getting some family time etc cetera, etc cetera. so JJ Reddick went on his podcast today or they published a podcast I should say and <laughs> he said a few things Tobin he said a few things um let's let's take them point by point and then we'll we'll uh, I don't know this doesn't have to be the longest conversation in the world but the first thing he said was that Mavs Twitter needs to calm down what do you think about that duh yes <laughs> I mean listen you and I and our Mavs buddies looking at you wiser can always go on a little bit of a spiraling rant but we also don't go to Twitter and act like the world is falling down mm-hmm. yeah. um, and. It's just, I'm sure that we, I I know we're not the only fan base that does this, but like the last thing we need to be doing is tweeting out to JJ Reddick just to further piss him off whenever he is already like, you know, (laughs) he's, we know he's active on social media. We know he's active on podcasts and we know that it's no secret that he wanted to be in Brooklyn with his family. So maybe don't give him more reasons to not come here. Yeah. Like he may not pay attention to anything they say, and but I think he proved today that he he does. So mm-hmm. yeah. you know, I just good grief. But Mavs I mean, Twitter is a bad place. But I was I assume we get the we see the worst of it because we are Mavs fans. I probably you know, every every fan base I think is probably pretty awful on on Twitter because Twitter is the bad place. Um, mm-hmm. It's just it just is it just is you're gonna get you're gonna get a lot of that. I would say to JJ the same that I say to Kevin Durant. Maybe on a smaller scale, but like, hey, you probably should turn off your notifications. Like, you probably don't need to uh, <laughs> need to be in there yeah. at this point. Um, I, that's, that's my suggestion. But I, I agree. The 
Mavs Twitter is not a not a super healthy place, and uh, I don't think that that helps the case for uh, for this sort of situation. He talked at length. My favorite thing about, about that, though, my favorite thing about that was that he he called out a user with a really long Instagram name and immediately all of the people that I follow, like that are kind of in that camp of sometimes they're, uh-huh. sometimes they're good people, media people, sometimes they're falling off the wagon. They immediately started pointing fingers and I was like, yeah, it's really all of you guys, but like you guys go ahead and try to figure out who it is. But yeah. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good. Um, I want to talk about what he said regarding the Pelicans though, and their, mm. in their front office. And uh, we talked a tiny bit about this off the air. I, I, this is a pros and cons thing to me, or, uh, th- I, I guess I, I would, let me change that. It's not a pros and cons. It's, mm, it's some gray area to me on some of this at least, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts and, and see if you agree. He, uh, clearly is unhappy with the way things went in new Orleans. I'm summarizing here, but he said that he made a trade request and a formal trade request to David Griffin personally in November. Um, Not through that, his agent is, what right. is the important part. Yeah. Went directly to Griffin and said, I I don't fit with this team. You traded Drew Holiday. He said something in the podcast about how like, Drew Holiday was the main reason that he came to New Orleans. And I was like, well, that's probably not the best. I mean, that's I would put a little bit of that on you then because we started speculating the second that they traded Anthony Davis that they should and could trade Drew Holiday. So I, I you know, I'm not... I don't know. Um, he did also then acknowledge, well, also they, they gave me the best contract. I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, that's <laughs> maybe we lead with that. Um, I should say this. I really like JJ Redick. Uh, I grew up a Duke fan, so I, yes. I've, I've always had a, a soft spot for him. Um, he, he straddles what I, what, what our friend Richard and I call the mayor line as, as much as anybody in, in sports. The, I'm not sure if, if he's a douchebag or not, uh, the John Mayer line, as we call it, it's, he does some, some really funny, awesome things. And then also does and says some really douchey things. And it's very difficult to figure out where exactly he falls on this. It's, I always say that's like, when I get to heaven, that's one of the first things I'm going to ask is <laughs> like, was John Mayer a huge douchebag or not? I can't, I'm not totally sure. It's, it's tough to tell. Same with JJ. Uh, he does and says some things that are very questionable, he just seems like one of those guys that just and you know we, you and I both we know plenty of these people that like can't quite help himself like he just he just can't quite not be a tool at times uh, but I genuinely and for the most part I I like JJ uh, anyway he said that he uh, he had gone to like we said he he'd gone to David Griffin in November and said I don't want to be here trade me and Griffin said come down for a month and uh, if you don't like it you have my word i will i will find a spot for you we will trade you somewhere that you want to be um, i think the thing tobin that's going to get the most sympathy from us or the most understanding is that that a big chunk of this is based on he lives in brooklyn his son uh, started kindergarten this year uh, and the school has a policy because of COVID has a policy that, that if you, you know, if you leave the state, you have to quarantine for a week. So his kids are in, up in New York. He's in New Orleans. He can't see his family. They can't come to visit him because they have to miss school. I think we're both sympathetic and understanding of, of that situation. Am I right? Yes. And I totally get it too. Yeah. Sure. So uh, that's a tough spot that, to me. Um, yeah. And, and that's the thing too, is like, you know, it's very easy for us to say, 
hey, dude, you get paid to do this, and that's, you know, that's fine. And, I mean, I can say that, and I have said that, but he even said it himself that in any other year, this wouldn't have been a question, you know, like that this this w- it's just because of this year. Mm-hmm. He literally can't see his kids or his wife unless he is in Brooklyn, you know, with his family. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um. And then at that point, he says, like, I came, I, I saw, I realized that this was not a great fit for me. He talked about how Stan's, uh, Stan Van Gundy's defensive schemes don't fit with what he is capable of doing at, at age 36, I think. Uh, and that not having Drew Holiday or um, oh, Kendrick Williams uh, around really puts some too much pressure on him as far as the defensive side of things go. And that he, he then went to Griffin again and said, all right. Let me get out of here. I want. I want. I want to get gone. I want. I want to go back to the Northeast where I can be near my family. And that uh, that he went into the um, that he went into the trade deadline week, assuming that he was going to get bought out. I think we also just from a very distant standpoint, we also assumed that he was going to get bought out. Uh, JJ was a name that was around that was kind of rumored to the Mavs for a little bit earlier in the season. And that kind of died down entirely. And I think there, I think at least there was an assumption that he's getting bought out. He's going to, uh, the Nets, the Celtics, the Sixers, one of those teams. So he can be close to his family and that's, that's the end of it. Uh, and then he surprised you're traded instead. So, um, does not reflect well on new Orleans. He was very open and specific about not trusting the front office. And yeah. And not only traded, but traded at the last minute with really no communication too. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. And that's a look, uh, we, we said this with, with, you said this with Kevin Durant a minute ago with like, Hey, you can't be in people's DMS like that and not expect a screenshot. We are at a place where, there are tons of athletes who have a podcast or have access to the ability to get on a friend's podcast immediately. Like just within, within minutes of a team upsetting them, uh, they can, they can be on a podcast and sort of create their own, uh, headlines if they want to, they don't have to go to a beat writer and sort of air grievances in a way that will eventually make them look good in the papers and whatnot tomorrow. And and organizations have to adapt to that. I would say that that's a failure on David Griffin's standpoint of if you're going to issue that promise and say, look, man, I'll get you where you want to go and then not come through on it. Also, to be honest, like not come through on it in order to get a pick in the 50s is mm-hmm. also kind of, a, I think, probably makes it a little worse. I would I would even say it's even JJ, I would think, would probably think, Okay, they got a first round pick for me. All right, I kind of get it. But if you're sure. getting a pick that looks like it's going to be what, like forty eight to fifty two, and, and two guys game. you're going to cut, so yeah, yeah, uh, that's a, I'm, you know, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You're, you're certainly not getting a haul there. Is it really worth uh, upsetting not just the player but the player's agent? Because he straight up said, my agents will not trust David Griffin and Trajan Langdon uh, moving forward. And that's a, that's a real big deal. Um, that can be a, that can be a real problem. So well, I don't and know. Do you, Trajan Langdon. So, so here's my thoughts on this. Trajan Langdon is a Duke 
kid. I mean, like that's mm-hmm. like, did they play together? I can't remember the years. Like no. you would know better than I would. No. Did they not? Mm-hmm. Because Langdon, Langdon was before. Yeah, Langdon Reddit. was ninety nine. Was his last year. But life. like that's a that's a big deal from that perspective. On top of the fact that. He flat out said, and, then, and you know, you were talking about how like any player can get on a podcast, stuff like that. Like, and that's true. But JJ Reddick was kind of like the first one to like have his own show, like as a player. Yeah. Like the Ringer came out and said, "Hey, we want to give you a show." In and he's the first like active NBA player that's kind of done this regularly with a network behind him, and mm-hmm. so you had to know that he was going to come out and be unfiltered about this. In Look, we we have raved about David Griffin um, since he took over the Pelicans and how he handled Anthony Davis and how he's handled Drew Holiday and you know all that stuff. And we've talked a lot about how he has done a good job of setting that that franchise up for at least the the prop the chance to be good. Okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this, in my opinion, is a huge black eye because JJ. I don't. I believe JJ one hundred percent. I don't think he's. I don't think he's. You know pull anything over us. I don't think he's lying. I don't think he has any reason to. And, you know, of course, my thir- first thought I texted you today was Mavs Twitter is going to freak out about this because they're going to read the one quote and go nuts. And and he made it clear that this is not a Dallas problem. This is, I am happy to be in Dallas. I'm going to go play with Luca and KP. I'm looking forward to that. But I wanted to be close to my wife and kids. And he was promised that if he didn't like it there, he would be moved Um basically how he wants to, mm-hmm. you know, and look, I, I get it. You sign a contract, you, you can't force anybody to do anything, but like, like you said it, if you're going to make a promise to a player and you're going to say, Hey, just give us a chance. Well, I'll help you out if you don't. And you're going to make these kind of promises, then you dang well better fall through with it. Yeah. Or else I don't even know who Reddick's the agent is, but I guarantee you, he, he sees a lot of people in the NBA and probably some good players. And you have now just, handicapped your chance to negotiate with those kind of players. And mm-hmm. so I just like that, that. I think that's really, really bad. And, you know, I, I just, I, I feel bad for Reddick in the sense of like, we talked about like the kids and stuff like that. And it's, like I said, it's very easy to just, to, just to blow that off and say, you know, go, go play where you're getting paid and stuff like that. But this is not a normal situation. And, the, you know, when he talked about how he was like in yoga with his, you know, with his or Pilates with his wife and stuff like that, he he thought he might get, get traded, but he, he made the Mavs weren't even on his radar. Mm-hmm. Like in that, that's not okay. Like that should have been at least a phone call from because he said he missed three calls from his agent. Mm-hmm. He didn't miss three calls from Trajan Landon or or David Griffin. There should have been at least one phone call saying, "Hey, here's the offer the Mavs are given. I think we're going to take it. it. Are you know? Are you cool? Right. Whatever. Right. None of that stuff happened. Like that's just really bad. That's really bad on on them. Yeah, I agree. It's the David Griffin era is going to be that. It's one that we're not going to be able to judge for for several years. Um, but I've said before, I think he he does he does a great job of negotiating from a position of strength and a and a pretty poor job of negotiating um, from a position of of equality or weakness. And I'm not sh- totally sure that he understands roster construction very well. The Stephen Adams thing still just makes no sense to me. And I love Stephen Adams. It's just I don't understand having watched Zion and Brandon Ingram last year, even for only 20 games, and thinking that. Steven Adams is the, is the right, <laughs> the 
the right guy there uh, to put with those with those two and the, enough to give him a huge extension too. That's that's the mm-hmm. thing. Like trading for Stephen Adams, okay, but then to, to to double down on that with a big extension, I I don't really understand it. Their guard rotation's pretty pretty terrible. Um, some other things like that. I it's a question, but oh this is a, this is a problem. I mean, this kind of thing this will not go well with with your agents, and and we know maybe too much. I think teams make moves to humor agents or to keep agents happy because they know how much power they hold in all of this. And I, I think I th- honestly, I think too much at times. I, I, I mean, I know that we're very close to, da- to the Dallas situation. We, we know there have been times that contracts have been offered or handed out that were based much more on, we want to keep the agents happy than, than anything else. And Sometimes that's very obnoxious, but we have to acknowledge that that's a, that is a huge part of the power structure of the NBA is what the agents want and what they're willing to do and where they want to send their clients. And, you know, do you really want to get on the, the bad side of CAA? <laughs> I mean, like... Uh, yeah, you know who there's one of their star clients is right now? Who? Zion. Yeah, that's not good. It's not good. I mean, yeah. they also have Josh I mean, they, Hart, Zion, so, I mean, Zion is one of their players. Yeah. They have... They have Donovan Mitchell. They have Jaron Jackson Jr. They have Devin Booker. So, like, if any of those play, they have Joel Embiid and Paul George. Like, they have all these players that, if you're New Orleans, man, like, would it be great to pair Devin Booker with Zion? Absolutely, it would. Good luck now. Good luck keeping Zion if you're gonna. If, yeah, if, I mean, what grief. it ends up being in these situations is more often than not, it's not. I'm not sending my clients there. It's last time I sent my client there, you messed him over. So guess what? You're paying the tax for that. You know, you're giving mm-hmm. me. You're give, You're gonna pay me fifteen or twenty percent over market value in order to get my guy because of the you know what what we did what you did to me last time. And yeah, so it's just it's just not a great way to do business. Now I I do want to say. I am not in the <laughs> – I hate when people throw out how much money a person – a famous person makes in order to justify yeah. uh, the bad things that are happening to them or the mean things that are being said to them or whatever. You know, I hate that. I hate, I hate the, 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 the concept of, uh, oh, you miss your kids? Well, I bet that $13 million makes it a lot better. Um, it does not, it does not make it a lot better. Uh, I, you and I can speak to that, you know, like the, the idea of being away from my son for three or six months or whatever is not, is, that's not a tenable situation for me. I, that's, I'm not, that is not a thing that, that a lot of money would make better, frankly. And I, I mm-hmm. hate that, that mentality, but also, <laughs> but also, uh, you signed a contract for probably well above market value with a bad team. You know that this is part of the deal. You know that this could be, and now he didn't sign that contract during COVID. So I, you know, I understand that, that aspect of it. Um, but I would say that the move here is to have moved, moved your family to new Orleans and have that be the way to do that. And that's maybe that's unfair of me to, to uh, put that on him and tell him how to uh, to operate his family, that's that's really not my my intention. I just mean when you sign the contract for twenty percent above what you were going to get anywhere else, this is part of the deal, and and we ha- you got to we got to figure out a way to get around this. Now, like I I think it's it's if everything that he said about David Griffin as far as like I'm giving you my word and all this sort of stuff, that is a huge deal, and it will have ramifications on the Pelicans 
long term, um, especially if that becomes like a habit. But also, you you got a pretty daggum big contract for probably more than you were worth and more than you could get anywhere else. And we're going to have to figure out how to uh, make that work or else you got to give up a lot of money. You know what I mean? Like it's just, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a, it's an issue. This is something that the NBA is going to have to address. This is not just a JJ Reddick thing by any stretch of the imagination. And maybe we take this, we can take this into our, our buyout discussion, but we, I think when the next collective bargaining agreement uh, the, the negotiations take place. This is going to be a big point of emphasis for maybe for both sides, honestly, because I don't think that it behooves the teams or the players to operate in this space where the contract means a, not nothing because it's not an NFL contract, you know, but where the contract means very little and both sides are able to apply this kind of pressure seemingly out of at any point in the in the the, ten, the the run of the contract you know we we're used to veterans get bought out in the last year of their deal and that's just kind of the way that it goes you get to go and chase a ring you the team gets to keep the the agent happy maybe the team gets some money back on it that kind of thing we're we're used to that but as we get further and further into things like Al Horford is now sitting with two full years left on his contract um, two and a half years really left on, left on this huge contract that he has, uh, this bit with, with JJ Redick of essentially saying I went out and, and holding the Pelicans to that very publicly, uh, right or wrong. Uh, this is this, and not to mention Blake Griffin, Blake Griffin gave up quite a bit of money to, uh, to walk away from his deal and is now playing pretty well for the net. So, the buyout thing is going to be a big deal, I think, when when the next CBA negotiations come around. But I don't know. Where do you do you care about this? Is this a big deal to you that that players can that players can do this? Can just say, you know what, I don't want to be here anymore, I, but I still want my money or a good chunk of it, and you can just send me home until you're ready to trade me or buy me out. And do you care, or you know, do you care that teams can do the same thing with? with Andre Drummond or Blake Griffin or, or whoever else. Does this bother you or is this just kind of part of the deal at this point? I feel like it should be a, if you as a player say, I don't want to be here anymore, buy me out. You, it should be like a, okay, if you have 20 million left, you can get half of that. Like mm-hmm. you can't get the, like you can choose to get bought out, but you have, you can only get a certain percentage. Like, I feel like that's the, that's the, in my head, the like the logical approach of, Sure, you can back out of this, but you have to take a substantial hit to go play for a contender, mm-hmm. you know, because you signed the contract. You know, I mean, I guess in Drummond's case, he got traded, you know, so it's not, I guess, that right. fair. But if it's the other way around where the team is trying to buy you out, like, I mean, I don't know how you would judge how you'd police this, but, you know, mm-hmm. like, it, it's that's not fair to the player if the team's trying to buy you out. But, you know, I just, I just feel like, there's got to be some sort of, hey, we can't just let everybody every year get bought out and then go chase a ring, you know. Mm-hmm. And but th- in all fairness, it doesn't always work out. Like in oh in, for sure, yeah. As right now, I mean, in fact, I'm not sure it's ever worked out. Like off the top of my head, you know, at least in the in the way like like Blake Griffin's a little bit different because he's clearly going to be a role player the rest of his career. Like he's never going mm-hmm. to be a superstar anymore, and I don't think he's bringing a whole lot to the Nets that they didn't have before. Um, you could probably see the same thing for Lamarcus Aldridge uh, as well. Uh, 
Drummond's a little bit different case because Drummond is still pretty effective and he's younger than those guys. He hasn't looked good, but he mm-hmm. but he's like what, 28? So that's a little bit different. Yeah. Like yeah. it's a, it's a little bit different when you're buying out a 35-year-old JJ Redick compared to a 28-year-old Andre Drummond who's probably going to get a max deal somewhere else next year. You know, in mm-hmm. in that Sure. Maybe not max. Deal, I mean, he's you know not going to get a max deal, but he, but you know he will I mean. get a bigger like, contract than a minimum contract. Next but he, and he's yeah. not and he's not washed either. Like he's going to get a four four year deal probably or a three year deal. Like it's not going to be like a okay. Blake Griffin signed with the Nets to do to ring chase. Now let's either give him a two year you know minimum deal or let's let him go ring chase somewhere else next year. Like whereas Drummond is going to sign a deal to to be somewhere for a while. Like I just sure. that's that's the that's the problem. I think Drummond has kind of broken that system a little bit this year mm-hmm. just because the Cavs are terrible and they have Jared Allen now. And so yeah, and he's I, I, not worth anywhere near what his contract is. No, and, no, and, and, the, and that's hard because I mean I think what you're what you're saying, and I agree with you, is is most of the guys that get cut or bought out, they go somewhere, they sign for a year, and then for the rest of their careers, they are one or two year contract players at the minimum or somewhere around that that range. Drummond, I, I I mean, I don't know what the market is for Drummond, but I I agree with you. I do think that he is probably in line for a multi-year deal that play, that pays quite a bit more than the minimum. He's certainly not going to get anywhere near his 28 million or whatever that he was he mm-hmm. was making in Cleveland, but it's he's going to get a big deal somewhere, I think, uh as compared as as opposed to a lot of the other guys that this, you know, that this takes place with. So, um, I'm looking through, I'm trying to think of like the history. Some of them I have like PJ Brown was a big player for the Celtics that, that year that they won the title. Um, Markeith Morris was really effective for the oh, Lakers yeah. last yeah, year. Um, who else? But, Boris but you're not buying, buyout and then you're not buying Markeith really Morris out at 25 plus million, you know, like, yeah, that's, I mean, I, I, that, that's, and that's the, the thing. thing. Yeah, that that that's a that's a big deal. I mean, and some of these guys left money. I can't remember what the money was that Blake Griffin left on the table, but it was quite a bit of money. I think Aldridge left seven million on the table or something. That's a that's a pretty and, and, and again, that's change. my point is Aldridge and Blake are on the downside. Drummond is just like there's not he just like like you said he's making too much money for what he's giving to that team, and that to me Drummond kind of broke that a little bit this year. Okay. Now if this yeah. continues next year, mm-hmm. then I think the NBA needs to step in and do something about it. I don't know what that is, but again, like I feel like there needs to be some sort of rule that says if you decide that you want to get bought out, you can get fifty percent of the money left that you have owed. Like okay. if if it's if that's worth it to you, and I think that would curb a lot of this stuff. To be honest with you. Here are some of the other ideas that I heard bounced around on podcasts and, and in writing this week uh, that I, I thought were at least interesting enough to, to bring it up. Um, there was so, there's something to, this would never happen because the players would have to agree to it, and I, there's no world in which they would do this, but that uh, buyout guys would hit a sort of a waiver wire the way that uh, like fantasy sports works, that if mm. you, that you can that teams can claim buyout guys uh, not with their contract that, that they are being bought out from, but uh, just based on how much salary cap they have left or maybe their 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 record, you know, going reverse order, good old-fashioned uh, fantasy football type of type of style, but that, it, that would prevent, say, Brooklyn from getting Blake Griffin and then also 
uh, two weeks later grabbing LaMarcus Aldridge as well because they would they would then let's say they somehow were the first team to claim uh, Blake Griffin uh, in in the order they would then bump to the the end of the order right so some other team would would have a chance to to grab Aldridge before he gets to them again. What do you think about that? Again, so there's no way that happens because the players will say absolutely not. I so essentially, I you're allowed to get one buyout per mm-hmm. year, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, why not? Like, I mean, like, I mean, we don't usually see this many buyouts at once, especially of like what I would consider high-profile players. They're not necessarily yeah. superstars, but so I think that would be you know interesting. But like that, that also is a big reason why like. You know, like when the Heat created the super team, you know, and then the Warriors kind of continued on, like that was like we're getting a bunch of people to go play there for like minimum deals. Yeah. And so like that, that's never, that's never a good thing in the sense of like, you're like, you know, the Heat can go like, okay, well, we're gonna, I don't remember who it was exactly. It was like, hey, we got this player who probably should be making $10 million, but he just took a million to come play for us. You know, mm-hmm. like, and I think that's kind of the same thing here is that, you know, we're not going to see very many times where teams like the Nets will get to players that can contribute to them pretty well. And so, yeah, I think that's a great idea though. I think, I mean, it would definitely make it more fun for sure. Mm-hmm. Cause like, you know, <laughs> that's the exact first thought I had was like, man, that'd be a heck of a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I'd, I'd do that. Uh, that'd be, that'd be really cool to see again. No way the players that go for that. The way around that is just what you kind of said is just make it to where you, you can only sign one, each team and can only sign one buyout guy just straight up. And you know, in the course of, if you want to fill out the rest of your roster, you're going to have to do that with with G League guys or uh, you know dudes who are still free who didn't get signed in the off season or something like that. But you can't go get both of them. Um, that would be interesting. That'd be a way to do it. Um, the other idea too, this was Simmons, um, and I, I semi agree with this. I so I, I'm on record, I, and I can't remember where you really stand on this. I love the salary cap, and I love all of the intricacies of it, and the the way the the things that you have to do to make things happen. I think it's a very, it's just such an interesting uh, document, <laughs> and it I don't know, it's just kind of genius to me the way that all of these things work together. But there's no question that a lot of the the rules that are in place regarding the salary cap and trades are uh, make things more it makes it much more difficult to to move players and stuff. So, in the case of an Andre Drummond, I think there's probably we know we know that there were a lot of teams that were interested in bringing him in, right? Because there was like six or eight teams at least that were that were rumored to be trying to go and get him once he was uh, bought out and became a free agent. No team, obviously, was able to get up to to $28 million uh, of tradable contracts to bring him in, even if they were willing to pay him um, what he was owed. uh, You you just couldn't get to the contracts without just decimating your team and stuff. So Simmons suggested, he's said this before, this is not a new deal, but that that the NBA should lower the percentage that you have to get to to make a trade happen salary cap wise should lower it from it's either 80 or 75 percent of a contract should just lower that to 50 percent so that so again in the case of Andre Drummond you don't have to get to about 22 million dollars you could get to like if you could just trade out if you could send out 14 million dollars you could bring in Drummond if you're willing to to pay him the rest of his contract does that make sense what do you think about that yeah I mean I I don't want to agree with Simmons, so I, but <laughs> but yeah, that's probably a good idea. Because like at the very least, is what what it does is is it lets more teams, 
get in on that stuff. And if they're going to commit to paying it, you know, yeah, like they're still going to pay the twenty eight million, and it's basically them just going over the hard cap like they would if they were re-signing him as a as a player of their own. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that's a good idea. I just, you know, that also would make the trade deadline bonkers, which would be awesome. Yes. So, you yes. know, like, yeah, yeah. I, he also suggested the idea of that if. You buy if you sign a buyout guy that they're how did he phrase this? That they're that the contract that they are being bought out from, that that the difference of that goes on your luxury tax. Ooh, <laughs> so okay. <laughs> so again, in the case of I keep using Drummond because he just was making so much money. So, you know, if they sign him to a, a prorated Two point eight million dollars salary or whatever it is that 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 another twenty six million dollars again it would be prorated so really it would be something like ten or whatever would hit that luxury tax so that that really puts it on again that's something I don't think the players would go for because then if you're if you're getting bought out of a big contract you're like but then I might just literally have to sit and wait because no one's willing to pay that luxury tax for me but it was an interesting thought anyway. Um, I'm kind of with you. I think part of the issue, this comes up every few years. I feel like it's not a big deal every single season. I just think this year it's a big deal because the names that we're talking about with Andre Drummond, with Blake Griffin, with LaMarcus Aldridge, and then even with Al Horford, who hasn't been bought out yet, but maybe will be because I don't know how many teams are lining up to pay him what, what, what he's owed at this point. Um, they're bigger names, and also, traditionally, your buyout guys uh, go to the big markets. It's another mm-hmm. thing that that sort of help that 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 is a, a bit of a disadvantage for the smaller market teams. Um, you're you're getting, you're going to the coast, you're going to the big markets, uh, or you are picking the team that like Milwaukee is supposedly getting Jeff Teague and Austin Rivers. I think they have signed Jeff Teague, and and Austin Rivers is coming maybe. Um, you know, you get those guys because you're a legitimate championship contender. And I you, obviously you can't blame veteran players, especially for jumping at the chance to potentially win a title. But it usually favors big market teams. So it's just a it's just another one of those things that I think a, a good chunk of teams in the NBA are already kind of like, hey, man, like, can we get a little piece of this? Because it doesn't feel super fair right now. Uh but what are you going to do? You can't. You, it's not like you can force players to go and play in a city where they don't want to play. So it's a it's a tough situation to figure out. Yeah. But I do think that will be that will be a big point of emphasis in the uh, in the next CBA negotiation. Um, Tobin, let's talk about the play-in tournament. Let's just focus on the Western Conference. Maybe in a week or two, we'll have a little bit of a better picture in the East. It's just the East still feels to me like at any point just about any team could go on a wing streak that puts them right in the thick of things to the point that like Washington right now is 12th and they are only two and a half games back of being the 10 seed, you know, and Washington's been pretty terrible this season, but they still have Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook who's doing ridiculous things statistically. Um, so maybe, it always feels to me at least like they could any of those teams could jump right back up into the thick of things uh, when it's all said and done. But in the West, we have a pretty, pretty decent picture at this point. So we, here's what we're looking at. I'm going to include Denver and Portland in this just uh, because 
I want to, from a Mavs standpoint, I want to hold on to some hope that the Mavs are able to to jump mm-hmm. out of this, but I don't really legitimately think that this is possible at this point. The Lakers are six games back from the one seed. They sit in the four seed currently. They're about to lose to Milwaukee. I think that will drop them into a, essentially a tie with both Denver and Portland for that four seed. So Denver sits uh, seven games back of the one. Portland also sits seven games back of the one. So there's your four, five, six. The Lakers are in a bad spot. And we talked about it just a tiny bit last week, but LeBron is going to be at Wendy on his podcast today or or a couple days ago said he is still weeks, like legitimate weeks from even being able to start the process of coming back. So we are not close to LeBron coming back. We think we're close to Anthony Davis coming back. Um, We'll see. We'll see. They are a sinking ship as long as they don't have those two players. Uh, so it's possible that they could slide into that seven seed, but we'll, we'll see. The Mavs are ten and a half games back, so they are three and a half games back of Lakers, Denver, Portland in the seven seed. And San Antonio continues to hang on, continues to sit there. They uh, they won tonight. Freaking they are, Spurs, man. I know, man. It's crazy. They're only a half game back of Dallas. I will say part of that is based on the Mavs sat Luka and KP uh, for two games, and guess what? They lost both of those games. Shocker. So... The Spurs have a very difficult schedule for the rest of the season. The Mavericks do not, so I feel pretty confident that Dallas is going to finish ahead of San Antonio. It's if, As a Mavs fan, it's just a matter of will the Lakers drop far enough for Dallas to jump up ahead of them, or will Portland? I don't think Denver's going to at this point, so maybe Portland goes on a little bit of a losing, losing streak and Dallas is able to, to jump ahead of them. But the Spurs sit there in the eighth seed right now. Golden State is two games behind them at 23-24. and 24. Memphis is essentially tied with them at 22 and 23. Uh, and then the pesky Sacramento Kings, Tobin, are making a run. They are currently, uh, they are a game and a half behind Memphis. They are tied with the Pelicans, also a game and a half behind Memphis. So you have, I, I feel very confident. I don't think this is the, the Mavs bias in me showing. I feel very, very confident that Dallas is going to lock in to at least the top seven there, if even if they're not able to move up into the six. So we're talking Spurs, Warriors, and now Grizzlies, Kings, and Pelicans are actively fighting to grab those last three spots. I think we had a funeral for the Kings a week or two ago, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. So maybe maybe that was maybe a little Maybe we, uh, we awoke premature. Ty Halliburton, so... <laughs> Like, because he has been he has been awesome, and they've won seven of their last ten. And yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, they've looked really they good. Can, now they, they haven't have, beaten anybody. They beat they, they have. beat the Wizards, the Celtics, the Cavs, the Hawks, the Warriors, the the uh, the Cavs again, and the Spurs. Okay, but still, but Brian, those are the you games beat, you have you, to win on your schedule. You know. Yeah, no, absolutely. And absolutely if agree. if you beat the bad guys, the bad teams, then that means you can you can afford to lose some of those other games. But mm-hmm. I mean, we talked off the air. The Warriors look awful. Like in in when they, I I think we are like maybe maybe two weeks away from them just shutting Steph down. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I could be wrong, but like I mean, like they they got to be at a point where it's like even if we do make this play in tournament thing. Is it worth putting more miles on Steph Curry while we wait on Clay? You know, yeah. And so, 
I wouldn't be surprised if they catch him. I think the Pelicans, I don't think they stand a chance. I think that they're just going to keep sliding worse. The other thing, too, is like the Grizzlies, you just never know what you're going to get with them. I mean, they, they are like literally 22 and 22. They are the most 500 team on mm-hmm. in the season, yeah. probably, because they just one day they're great, one day they're not. And so it's um, really frustrating watching the Grizzlies. I mean, it, it's I know it's a young team. They haven't had Jerry Jackson all season. So like they're they're who should be their second best player is not essentially not played at all at all. So, yeah, you know, I get it. And they have time on their hands and they, you know, they they have no pressure to to uh, to get there right now. I, I so I, I totally understand it. But man, they are frustrating to watch because you're you're totally right, man. It's like every single night it's a different team and you never know which one you're going to get. It's very frustrating. Yeah. So I, I think that right now, if I had to bet on it, I'd say the Kings will catch the Warriors and everything else will stay status quo. Um, I don't think the Lakers will slip to seven. I, I mean, like they're, they're not good. I mean, they're bad, like you know, mm-hmm. but I just don't think with AD coming back to that they are that bad enough to let them let three teams jump them, essentially. The Nuggets and Trailblazers is my, I think what will end up happening is they'll probably be five or six in I'm really hoping that the Blazers start going on a on a bad run because that's what we need as a Mavs fans. But you know, mm-hmm. I think you're mm-hmm. right. I think the the hole we put ourselves in is probably insurmountable at this point. So, yeah, it re- the Lakers fully depends on on Anthony Davis when he's coming back. Because I look if if you tell me LeBron is out. Even three more weeks. Here's who they play over the next three weeks. They've got Kings, Clippers, Raptors, who are a dumpster fire right now. Heat, Nets, Knicks, Hornets, Jazz, excuse me, Celtics, and then a a back-to-back with the Jazz and a back-to-back with the Mavericks before they get to end the month on, on Magic, Wizards, Lakers. Their May schedule is... You know, okay, it's not terrible by any means. So, like, th- there's n- obviously, gosh, and now Andre Drummond just is injured. He's leaving the court. Goodness gracious. Um, there's no, I don't think there's any fear of the Lakers like not making the playoffs or anything. But it's if AD doesn't get back, they, I, I mean, they feel like they can't win. Like it feels like they are incapable of winning a game without LeBron uh, and and AD. And and you understand that, right? Like, I mean, we we just watched our dumb team sit sit uh, their two best players and guess what they can't win without them there's there are very yeah. few teams that can sit their two best players especially of the caliber that the lakers have to at their disposal and and be able to win games but they look horrific without those guys on the floor so it's it's not inconceivable to me that they go like two and eight in their next 10 games or something like that and if you know yeah if you 80 do, doesn't come back trouble yeah, and if he doesn't come back and he's not 100%, or, God forbid, he gets injured again, it, right. it that right. is whenever it could be lights out for mm-hmm. their... Well, that's not that's not fair. They, at that point, I would not be surprised if they make the play-in on play in games. you know. But again, yeah. as I said, I don't know if I said this on the air or said it last week, um, just to you in general, that will be the scariest team in the playoffs oh if they gosh. get LeBron and AD back 
like healthy. I mean, and then they're like a six, five, four, you know, five, six, seven seed. Like that'll be terrifying. So they would be the first team ever to be the seven seed and be favored to come out of their conference. You know, I mean, it's yeah. just, it's, it would be, it would be ridiculous. And in some level, on some level, if, if you're the Lakers, I would, you might just be saying we freaking won it last year. We still have LeBron and AD coming back. It kind of doesn't matter what our seed is. It's just that, do you want to play who you're going to catch? Do you want to have to mess around with, I mean, it's the same. We, we've said it, we said it last week with Dallas and we, we've continually said it off the air is like, I want nothing to do with that playing game. Cause I don't want to deal with the, with maybe Steph Curry drops 60 tonight. You know, I don't want to deal with that. And yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's part of it, but there's obviously a, a different degree of talent and pedigree with, with the Lakers over, over a lot of these other teams. But, um, I'm not as completely out on the Pelicans as you are because Zion has just been on an unbelievable trek these last uh, month, really, the last few weeks. He's uh, unstoppable. He's unstoppable. He's unstoppable offensively. There is there is almost nothing you can do when he gets the ball. Now, the thing that stops him more than anything else is Brandon Ingram and the rest mm-hmm. of that roster. I mean, goodness. I, I don't know what Stan's doing. Not a... Not a fan of how things have have gone uh, with Stan Van Gundy as as a coach there. It's it's not been it's not been particularly good. When they were playing Dallas on Saturday, and I'm sorry to keep bringing this back to Dallas. I promise I'm not trying to to Simmons this with the with the Celts. But the Mavs sat Luca and KP. The Pelicans got up relatively big. It wasn't like a runaway or anything, but it was it was pretty it was a pretty good gap. And then, as the Pelicans are wont to do, they they started to to let the Mavs back into the game, and there was just like a four minute stretch where Zion didn't even touch the ball. And guess what? That's when the Mavs made their run. Is because as good as Brandon Ingram is, and I I quite like Brandon Ingram as good as he is, he is not an unstoppable force from another dimension like mm-hmm. Zion Williamson is. Who. It, and then as soon as they start, Stan called a timeout, which good for him. And immediately they started feeding the ball back to Zion. And then they, they killed it. They closed the game on a really ridiculous run. And it was, it was all putting the ball in his hands and going. I just like, how, how do y'all forget to do this for, for long stretches of game at a time? It's just so, so frustrating if, if you're a Pelicans fan. So I'm not really yet willing to write them off. And also with the Kings, man, we've we've seen the Kings do this a couple times this season where they go on these really great stretches and then it all kind of simmers back Yeah, down. to me it's more of that the I don't think the Warriors are going to be able to hang Agreed. on. Like that's sure. that's more of what it is for yeah. me. Warriors look real bad. It's It's been – I mean, I, we got to be at the point with the Warriors where you start to say – uh, this team's not very good with Clay, let alone without him. So you know, just how much does Clay Thompson? I mean, I and no one's a bigger fan of Clay Thompson than you or I are. But how much is Clay Thompson worth from a wins perspective after mm-hmm. two years out with horrific injuries on this team? How much does he really change the game? Yeah. And then you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't yeah, it might be time to start shifting that roster around a little yeah. bit. It is, and and Steph's up for an extension this summer, so mm-hmm. um, we'll see how that goes. So right now, on uh, as we're recording this on March the thirty first, let's assume again the Mavs are are in that top seven. 
Who are the three teams that make the the remainder of the play-in game for you right now? What's your prediction? So right now, I would say Spurs, Grizzlies, and let me. You know what? I'll say the Kings. I have faith in Halliburton. I think Halliburton and Fox can do it. So I'm gonna say the Kings. I will say just to be. I'm never betting against the Spurs, obviously. Um, no. So we've learned our lessons okay. on that. <laughs> you know, they have such a hard schedule, and I just I watch that team and like there's this doesn't make sense. They're not good. I don't I don't see how this is working, but but pop me. <laughs> uh, I'll say Spurs. I'll say the Warriors get a get a hot Steph Curry streak and stay in it, and I will take. Oh goodness. Uh, I'll just be different from you. I'll take the Pelicans just to just to be different. So we'll, we covered all of them there through the course of that. So that's good. That's good. Um, the let's let's talk just a second. The NBA draft is going to be uh, the, the very tail end of of July. They finally announced a date for that, and it's what July 29th, I think. I have to look it up. Uh, NBA draft of 2021. We love the we love the draft. We covered it pretty extensively last season. Yeah, July 29th. Uh, and I assume we'll do the same thing this year. I, I looked at the calendar, Tobin, and kind of plotted out. All right, where's how far out do we need to start doing um, bonus episodes on on individual prospects and stuff like that if we want to do that kind of thing? And uh, I'm getting pretty excited. I'm getting pretty excited to write a draft guide that only you and I will. Uh, We'll open. So. At least it'll be more fun this year because it's not a bunch of terrible players. So yeah, and we've seen some of them play a little bit. Um, I mean, I don't watch very much college college basketball because it's it's just a horrific product. But uh, I've seen some of these guys play ball. Some as opposed to last year, where it was like, yeah, I don't know, not not really, not really much tape on on any of them. Uh, so we'll get a little bit of that. But let's talk about. I don't want to get into obviously into scouting Cade Cunningham at this point, but. He's going to be the number one pick. I know that there's there's a lot of Evan Mobley buzz, and rightly so. He's pretty pretty awesome. He's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I was bummed that that they came up against Gonzaga this early, quote unquote early. It would have been mm-hmm. fun to see another game or two of Evan Mo- mm-hmm. uh, uh, Mobley. Excuse me. So I would have liked that, but Gonzaga is just sort of an unstoppable force at this point. Um, what I want to ask you is. Not where we think Cade's going to end up, because obviously we have no idea how the lottery balls are going to fall, and and even uh, some of the teams that are going to be in the lottery again, thanks to that playing game, we can't even we can't even completely prognosticate that and look ahead too far. But of those teams that are in the bottom of their conferences, where do you want to see? now having seen Cade Cunningham play a few, uh, quite a few games and you get the tournament games and stuff as well? Where do you want Cade Cunningham to go? Where's the most fun for him to be, I guess? If I'm looking at the straight up, like if the lottery balls fell all the right way right now, it's Minnesota, Houston, Denver, Orlando, Cleveland are the top five, okay? Um, there's not one team in the top ten that I am like seeing that I'm like, man, I'd really like to see him there. The The Minnesota makes the most sense out of those teams in my opinion. Um, because I think that him with Anthony Edwards could be pretty deadly if they can figure out how to get a system going there. Um, mm-hmm. And you're playing with a superstar player in Cat, assuming that he still wants to play there. And so I think that's probably the best situation for him. And they had the best chance to get the number one pick. So 
that that probably makes the most sense, and I think it would be fine. I just don't want to see him play there because I don't. I, I I think that that's where top draft picks go to die. It seems like so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but Anthony Edwards has done some good things this year. I mean, and so like who knows? Who knows? If I'm looking at the top ten, okay, I'm just gonna I'm 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 keeping my my thing to the top ten. There are two teams that I would freaking love if they if they somehow won the lottery. Number one is the Pacers. They are number, right now. They're the tenth team. So and they're technically in the playoffs. If they they're the number nine seed in the East right now, so they could technically make the playoffs. I would love to see him with um, Karis Levert and you know and just and just reset that that team because I I think the Pacers got to get a bad rap, but you know I, you know they they have some pieces there that could make them. Um, that, that could make them fun. And I think he could definitely do some things, but that's very unlikely. The second team and thing I think I would like to see him of any other team. And I think this will give them a good boost too, um, and a good, like maybe a mini restart is the Raptors. If the Raptors won the pick and they could replace Kyle Lowry with him, mm-hmm. like I would love that. And I think that that team needs a little bit of a reset and i and i by all accounts like we we respect toronto we love the that's rap pod like i i want good things for them and i think right now they're in a bad way mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so winning the number one pick and getting kate cunningham is a pretty easy way to okay. you know re- reset a little bit but outside of that mm-hmm. i don't want them on the rockets because i hate the rockets obviously. i know i know um the Pistons already ruined their draft pick, <laughs> their point guard draft pick this year. The Magic don't need them because they have Cole Anthony. Uh, the Cavs don't need them because they have Sexton and Garland. Um, I would argue that both the Magic and the Cavs need him because they have Cole Anthony sure. and Sexton. Fine. And Garland. Okay, fine. I, listen, we're talking about teams that don't manage their stuff very well. So, like, I, I'm not saying I disagree with you, but I also know. <laughs> what their mindset's going to be. Uh, it doesn't make much sense for the Wizards to get them unless they plan on dumping Bill and then mm-hmm. that pay case. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe okay, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just I think that the Raptors and the Pacers would be a lot of fun. But honestly, the, the Timberwolves make sense, and that's probably where he's going to end up going. And so um, I know a lot of people right now are, like, pushing for Jalen Suggs, but I'm like, dude, he's three inches shorter, 20 pounds yeah. lighter. 20 pounds lighter, and he doesn't do near the things that yeah. Kate Cunningham does. He's great. He's a good player, but he's not Kate. Cade Cunningham is by far, in a way, the number one pick in this draft. You can make the, a case for Evan, Evan Mobley if you, you could, want to. I don't only, want but, to make that case, but I, I, you could you could talk me into, like, I have Evan Mobley as number one, and here's why. Like, but, I can But that's that. true, but, that's, but to me, that's because he's a big. So, like, if you want to make the case, hey, I need a big more than I need a point guard, fine. Okay, that makes sense. But mm. if you're looking at just straight-up talent or point guard to point guard, it has to be Kate Cunningham. It has to be. Yeah, I, I probably agree. I mean, I I want to. I'm not arguing that point. I I my, the. I mean, I, I want to watch the the tape and really. There's been some things with him that I'm like, I'm not a hundred percent sure that he is superstar superstar. But I don't know that the, that anybody in in this draft is or any draft. You know what I mean? Like, it just I just need I need a little more time to for me personally to to kind of watch some of those things. And not that anyone needs my blessing on this sort of thing or anything like that. But I think but, that the, I think that him. 
if you're talking about superstar, superstar, I would agree with that. To me, like this is going to be the draft where like you find a guy from like seven to fourteen that ends up in a couple years being a pretty big all star. Sure. Like like you know like Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson's had his issues. He got kicked off Duke, you know, and all that he kind of left stuff. Duke. Let's be well, clear. yeah. Come on, he like left. He, 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 left. he whatever. He got kicked off. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't. I, and I want to I want to be clear because this is not what you're saying, but I want to be. I want to make sure that we are clear on that because there were a lot of really nasty things said about Jalen Johnson and his quote unquote posse and that oh, is well I haven't read those yeah. so, so okay. I, that's why I'm correct because I, I want to be I want to make sure that we are not that no one thinks we are falling into that camp because it was not great and probably racist and okay yeah that's not where you're at yeah but you know he's he could slip a little bit and that to me is a player that i would love to get in the 7 to 14 range so i feel like this draft has a lot of that like jonathan kamingas probably falls in that as well Mm -hmm. um you know i think he could also fly out the board too but yeah Anyway, yeah. but that's for future episodes. So yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I I think Cade is number one easy for, and he will be he'll be number one. There will be some boards that have Evan Mobley. I'm just saying that that is a, at this point I would say that is I disagree, but that is a defensible position. I love Jalen Suggs, and there is no world in which Jalen Suggs can be higher than than Cade Cunningham. Totally on, agree. on your board. At least at least to me at this point in the show. Now maybe I'm setting myself up for failure and in a couple months or something. But at this point, I've watched quite a bit of both of those guys, and I, I really, really like Jalen Suggs. But you just, I can't. And he's going to be a great consolation prize, in my opinion. This too, is so. going to be a really fun draft because I think you're totally right. There's just so many guys that have potential to be maybe not number one guys and 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 even some like maybe not even number two guys but like really rock solid third guy on a good team type players and they're all there's a lot of like well-rounded skill in these guys and and I, i i'm really excited to do the scouting part of it this year and to to look i i really am looking forward to to how this is uh, this is going to play out. There's a lot of it's guys our first draft with the M- with the G League guys, like the NBA G League team uh-huh. thing. Yeah, so that's going to be interesting as for well. Sure. For sure. I, I just to answer my own question, I think of all these teams. I had the same thought with Houston. I was like, poor. I would love for Steven Silas to be happy, but I want it to happen and not Houston. Um, I I I kind of go. I I'm, I'm I think Orlando would be fun. I I respect that Orlando finally realized. What we're doing is not working. Let's completely get out of this and and hit the restart button. I think that and he would, I think he'd be a fun a fun player there and, and could be. Uh, I don't know. It's a good place, a good guy to build around. Obviously, and uh, I I respect that they have fun. And he can bring his orange jerseys with him from Oklahoma State. Uh, so vomit now. <laughs> now I'm back out again. Uh, the number one place that I do not want him to go uh, is is Oklahoma City. I don't. I mm. I am. Every time they win a game, I am happy because it takes them a little bit further away or reduces those those lottery odds just a little bit. And I really dislike the way that they have uh, sabotaged their team. It bothered. I mean, I understand it. It's it's the right decision. I am I am pro tanking in in short bursts when it is when that's the thing when it's the clearly the right thing to do. So I I totally respect it. But this whole thing with Shea is. Super shady, and then to also send home Al Horford, who's got two full years left on his contract. I, I, I'm happy every time they win a game, and it, it keeps them mm-hmm. 
takes him a little bit further away from. I would love it if they finish like with the eighth pick or something. That would make me quite happy. So um, we'll we'll see. Maybe right now they're the ninth pick. If yeah. you, if you okay. were to start, so. I'd love that. I'd love yeah. that. And, and and also they're gonna have four hundred shots at this over the next six years. So what's gonna happen though is that <laughs> we talked about this off the air is that they're gonna they're gonna trade with Minnesota like yeah. seventeen first round picks and get them anyway. So yeah. that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, Minnesota is one that I don't I don't I don't really I from a basketball standpoint that'd be pretty fun. But from a I don't know. Sports karma. They've ruined. Point. They've ruined a lot of lottery picks yeah. these last few years. Sure. So, but I do want good things for Cat. I just. I think I'm at the point where I want it not there. So we'll see. All right, man. Uh, let's wrap up and let's get out of here. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here, dear dear listeners. Uh, if you like what you heard, great. We appreciate that. We hope you come back and listen to us again. But also. Tell your friends. Bring your basketball buddies around to listen to this podcast. It helps us greatly to carve out a little space in this very cramped podcast market. And also leave us a five-star rating and a five-star review on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts that allow for such things as ratings and reviews. And in that review, tell us the most obscure or random NBA jersey that you own or have owned in the past. And we like to read those out at the end of the show. And we're I gonna do, do have that one. now. We're gonna do that right yeah. now, Toby. Somebody left us a review a couple weeks ago, and it's taken us a while to get to it. We have a couple that we'll get to in the next couple weeks. But um, this is from Michael. He says he's a big fan about mad about movies for some reason. I don't know, but uh, stumbled across this one. He also said that Brian and Toby give great analysis. <laughs> so Michael, my name is Tobin, just to let you know. But that's okay. It's probably that's a common because it's common mistakes. It's Tobin. better than that or Robin than I usually get. But uh, he said he said that he doesn't mind our Dallas rants, but he wishes we wouldn't trash Philly and Ben Simmons as much as we would. But, you know, I'm sorry, man. That's sweet. We're here. And so I haven't he, in at least two weeks. Okay? So yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. We're doing, I, we're I doing okay. Yeah. We're doing okay. I mean, but listen, you also, Michael, you don't know that we have a buddy named Josiah that that is a Philly fan. So really, it's just because we want to make him mad. So that's not about you. So, um, But he did not leave a obscure jersey. So I'm just going to assume that he has like three Nick Stoustis jerseys that he's, <laughs> that he's chilling with from, you know. Like so like Nick Stauskas, you know, that's, that's, that's probably, and didn't, I think Stauskas like got traded there like twice. So he's probably got both <laughs> yeah. of those. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 I like thanks, that. Maybe thanks, an Andrew Michael. Lang jersey, something like yeah, that. Yeah. Thanks um, Michael. We appreciate you and your Eric Snow that's jersey. Right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Get yourself a George Lynch on us. Um, all right. All right, Tobin, this has been fun. Let's come back next week. Let's do it again. And we'll talk more hot NBA news and topics then until then stay hard. Roddy Rogers.